Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it's almost here. The NFC Championship Packers 49ers. It'll be Sunday at Levi's Stadium, 5.40 p.m. Central Time kickoff. And this is our final show of the week. Yeah. So Unless you want to do it on Saturday, but sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is. But that means keys to victory. So what's it going to – we have we have analyzed this matchup up one side and down the other. So Twice. what is it going to take <laughs> – what is it going to take for the Packers to emerge victorious and be on their way to Miami for the Super Bowl? So the fact of the matter is the Packers are underdogs heading into this thing. You're not going to deny it. I'm not going to deny it. The people in the locker room are not going to deny it. And honestly, I think they've kind of relished that role um, – and, and I've appreciated that that mantra that they've taken onto this thing because they are saying that the pressure is going to be on this 49ers to do what they did the first time, to do it again, show that they can do it again. Yep. The Packers only have to work up. And I look at where that team was, where that roster was. For as good as their record at that point of the season still was at that, you know, going into that that matchup, there are so many areas, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, where they are better right now. Devontae Adams is where I would like to start. He is back in a groove again. He had a historic performance a week ago. He's healthy. He's looking as good as ever with his route running. If there was ever an injury, and there's a lot of them, trust me, I I get it. It's a difficult game. But if there was ever an injury that really is going to take the bite out of Devontae Adams' game, it's going to be that turf toe. (laughs) I mean, so much. You go back and you look at those plays that he had, the 40-yard touchdown, even the 32-yarder on on you know, to convert on third down. So much of that is just based on instantaneous footwork and his ability to separate and then capitalize in those microscopic gaps uh, and opportunities with Aaron Rodgers. When he has, when everything is in a line for him and when he's healthy, this is, in my opinion, one of the top receivers in the National Football League. And last week he proved it, despite all the attention he got. San Francisco is going to do the same exact thing in this game. And to top it all off, he's back home. He's playing in front of friends and family. I think he said he had already, was it 10 or 18 tickets? Something like purchased. 18, I think, was what he mentioned at the podium the other day. Yeah. So being a kid that was from the Bay Area, uh, grew up, was friends with James Jones early on, you can tell how much this game means to him. And on top of all of that, Adams has played in two NFC title games before. I'm expecting a big performance out of him on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you look at this from the 49ers' perspective, I think it's going to be the same approach the Seattle Seahawks took. The targets, as far as the Packers' offense are concerned, are Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Can you limit, can you put the clamps on both of them? And the Seattle Seahawks did a whale of a job against Aaron Jones after the initial 23-yard run. It was really tough for the Packers yeah. to run the football. But the, but the Seattle Seahawks didn't have an answer for Devontae Adams. Conversely, we talked about how the Minnesota Vikings needed to clamp down on San Francisco's running game and on George Kittle. They were able to limit George Kittle significantly in that divisional game last week, but they could not handle San Francisco's running game. The Packers are going into this, I would think, with the same mentality. Those are the things that you focus on, and that's not taking anything away from Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel. Same thing with regards to the Packers, whether you're talking Jamal Williams or Jimmy Graham or other complementary parts on offense, but everybody knows the bread and butter of these teams in the running game and in the passing game. For San Francisco, obviously, it's multiple running backs. For the Packers, it's Aaron Jones. It's a matter of can you 
put some limitations on both of those at the same time without making too many sacrifices, and uh, and that's just what we have to see see how it plays out on Sunday. Yeah, we just have to learn. But you know, the, these past six games, uh, I think you've just seen the snowball for Green Bay in a positive way. That you know they've been able to to rely on different facets of this offense to win. And last week it was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, statistically, if if you look at some of the performances he's had in the postseason, you could put that one up against any of them because. For the first time all season, the running game was not able to really get going, and he was able to just sort of carry the load from that point on, Um, whether it was just finding Adams, whether it was extending plays. It just looked a lot like that old Aaron Rodgers that everybody likes to talk about. And, you know, he's a guy, too, that, that understands the opportunity before him, and he wants to make the most of it. And San Francisco is going to be difficult. Uh, There's no doubt about it. I mean, they are favored for a reason, like I said, and I think it's going to be capitalizing on mistakes, whether it be a turnover or not, or whether it's just an early three and out for San Francisco. You need to be able to maximize those possessions. The game, the first one at Levi Stadium, really couldn't have started any worse for Green Bay. When you look at the fumble in the field position, it was kind of all downhill from there. If And my biggest key to victory for that game was getting off to a fast start. They need to find that fast start this time. They need to protect the football because if you don't get either of those things, it's just really difficult to beat a team that's as disciplined and well-rounded as San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, if you want to try to find a path to victory here in the statistics for the Packers, I'll lay out some options for you because if you look at the various rankings in offensive and defensive categories and everything across the board for the regular season, for the 16 games of the regular season. The 49ers have higher rankings than the Packers in a vast majority of categories. And that's why they are what they are. They got the number one seed. They uh, they are favored in this game for a reason. But here's a couple of them, Wes. Number one, turnover margin. The Packers were plus 12 in the regular season. The 49ers were plus four. So the Packers have been better at taking the ball away and at winning the turnover battle. So that's one thing that could be on your path to victory here. The other is in the red zone on offense and defense. The Packers, as far as touchdown percentages, the Packers were sixth in the league in red zone offense, eighth in the league in red zone defense, or it might have been vice versa. But anyway, one was sixth and one was eighth. The 49ers, red zone offense, red zone defense, 21st and 22nd in the league. So as I say, if you're looking for a path to victory, it's win the turnover battle and be the better team in the red zone on both sides of the ball. And maybe that's maybe that's how the Packers can do this. As good as San Francisco is, and they're great. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong about that. I think Green Bay has more ways to win in the red zone when you look at not only just the run game, and they've been exemplary in that category in, in terms of being able to punch the ball in once they are in that gold area, as they like to call it. Yeah. But Aaron Rodgers can pass it. I mean, he can scramble with it. We even saw he could sneak it. I mean, there are just <laughs> so many different ways that I think this offense can function inside that area, and it's not easy, Mike. I remember there was a lot of years you and I would cover this team and drives would stall inside the 20. The NFC Championship game in 2014, drive stalled inside the 20. Clearly. Those are four points off the board. Those are missed opportunities and things that can come back to haunt you. They have been able to finish drives and defensively keep teams from getting inside their end zone without, you know, in the second half of the season, not allowing the explosive play. All those things factor into this. And for Green Bay right now, I think it's led them to have this feeling of confidence that, 
you know, if, if the chips are down, we're going to be able to respond to it. Yeah. Well, most likely if you're the Packers, if you're going to win this game, you're going to win it the way that you've won a lot of other games. Now, that being said, the Packers have won games in a lot of different ways, but turnovers and red zone play have been a big part of it. And then the other part that I've continued to stress, I think even going back to September, Marvin could pull out the tapes <laughs> of, the, of our shows. It's what the Packers have done in the fourth quarters of right. games to pull things out. Now, the 49ers have their share of fourth quarter wins this year as, as well, down to the wire battles. But the 49ers also have lost more games in the fourth yeah. quarter. You, you look at the Packers, 13-3, and three, of the three losses, two of them, the Packers were out of it. The fourth quarter didn't matter. The two West Coast trips, okay, yes, one of them was against the 49ers, the same team they're going to play. But set that aside for a moment. The, 49er, the 49ers have lost three games this year right at the wire. So they've had, what my point is, they've had more ups and downs at crunch time. The Packers, I think, have, have been one of the best crunch time teams in all of football. So if you get there and give yourself a shot, that's how you've won. So maybe yeah. you can win another one. Yeah, my favorite thing about this week is I think I'm actually starting to lose my voice now. Yeah. I mean, that's you, how much yeah, talking you, yeah. <clears throat> that we've done to this point of the season. I mean, <laughs> my goodness, I'm sorry. I don't usually we, like we have done guy. some we have done some longer shows this week. But. I actually saw this like two days ago. I was with my son, and like my voice was starting to come out on me when I was actually talking to him. <laughs> like I, we might actually get to the periscope on Sunday morning, and I might not have anything left to give you. <laughs> but your points are valid and they're true. And I, I the thing I saw the most over this time, you can talk about Green Bay and where they need to get better. But since that game. I've seen, I don't want to call them holes because I still have believed, and you know this from the very beginning, Mike. I remember Wayne Larvey asking me in September who I thought you know, was the best team, was going to be the biggest opponent here for Green Bay. And I've said since the beginning, since that first month of the year, I felt like it was San Francisco because how well they play in all three phases. Yeah. And it seems like Robbie Gold has kind of figured out some of the kicking issues that was you know, kind of hurting him early in the season. But San Francisco, I thought in those games against the Rams and the game against the Falcons, and, and even the, some of these contests that they've had with the Seattle, I, I've seen a team that I believe is beatable. There are ways to do it. But you have to play a full 60-minute game with as many mistake, you know, few mistakes as possible. And Aaron Rodgers talked about that. You, you talk about over-communicating on defense. Offensively, Rodgers feels like the, the gut check, the reality check that they got out of that San Francisco game is something that has pushed them to this point that they were able to sort of iron out some things because of things that went wrong in San Francisco that first time, in Santa Clara that first time. So for them being in this matchup at this point in time, and Rogers stepped to the podium, the first thing he said was, we're one of four teams left. There are 28 other teams right now that have started their vacation, started yep. their offseason. Yep. I really truly believe that there is this why not us mentality in that locker room. And when you listen to the Smiths talk at the podium and Devontae Adams, as I mentioned it from the get-go, there are so many players right now in this locker room that have been through all these highs and lows and they feel like they're reaching their peak. And more so than any other team, probably going back to 2010, I just feel like this is a team that has gotten better every single week. The score might not have always reflected it, but I think they found answers to things that had been plaguing them previously. Yeah, well, here's here's one question I'm going to throw at you, and then we will move on and give a few thoughts about the AFC Championship game. What is one thing that has to happen in this game for the Packers to win? 
The obvious answer is they need to get a turnover off Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Uh, because they play such high percentage. And if you are – the only time I think he, – he does have quite a few turnovers this year, but those can be brought out of him when they have to play from behind, when they have to make a big play. If they want the, – the style of football San Francisco wants to do, they're going to want to use all the shot clock, so to speak. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to run the football. They're going to want to – you're going to see every once in a while – uh, a direct snap, or not a direct snap, but like an end around to like George Kittle. I mean, they'll do all of it. Yeah. Uh, they want to play small. They want to put the ball in guys' hands in space, and they want to let them create after that. The more you're forcing them to play downfield, to, to play from behind, that's what gets them out of their comfort zone. A takeaway here or there and, you know, getting 10, 14 points off of that, that's essential, I feel, in this game. They didn't get it the first time. And the real answer, Mike, the most obvious answer is, the offense can't go 0 for 13 on third down again when they have the starters out there. Yeah, they have to convert. They have to. Uh, Matt Lafleur said he doesn't believe that you're going to be able to just take what they did last week against Seattle and just throw it right into this game plan and everything works perfect. You're going to have to feel it out, but you have to be more successful on third down in order to preserve this. Yeah, and I will say on the defensive side of the ball, as far as what needs to happen for the Packers to win this game, as I say. The defense has to limit the explosive plays, and I'm going to put a number on it. When I say explosive, I'm talking 20-plus yard plays. I say the defense has to limit the explosive plays to four or fewer to win this game because I posted a story on our website last night looking at you know, what the Packers' defense did, talking about that meeting that they yeah. had after the first San Francisco <laughs> game. And when you look at the numbers statistically, through October and November, the Packers' defense was allowing about five explosive plays, 520-plus yard plays per game on average, and one of those on average was finding the end zone. It was an explosive play touchdown, about one per game over a seven-game span. Then you look at the last five games of the regular season, they reduced the number of explosive plays allowed, the 20-plus plays, to about three per game, and only one over that entire five-game stretch to end the regular season found the end zone. Last week against Seattle, the Seahawks had four 20-plus explosives. One of those was a scramble by Russell Wilson, so I don't know if you necessarily have to worry about that as much with Jimmy Garoppolo. But none of those 20-plus explosives found the end zone. So to me, it's kind of if you keep those explosives at four or less, and if none of those big plays find the end zone, going back to what I said about the red zone and the way the Packers have defended in the red zone this year, I think that's kind of a, a statistic that could be a, a telltale sign of how this game unfolds. Yeah, and as I wrote last week, too, uh, when you look at the secondary and these cornerbacks that have played together for an entire season, you're seeing the maturation of so many of them. That Jair Alexander play, I think that was at Minnesota or Detroit where he ended up tripped, the, the receiver got past somebody, tripped him up to cause the defensive pass interference. Yeah, that was Detroit. That was Detroit. Yeah. I forget yeah. which receiver that was. Uh, Lacey, I believe. Nick Lacey, but be that as it may, that would have been a that would have been six right there. Yep. Because it just the it, the pass looked like it was online. It looked like he had the separation after Jair started to stumble. What are you gonna do? You're gonna snatch the guy up. You live to play another down. It ended up being what a 56 yard Matt Prater field goal. Yeah, Prater had to hit a bomb on that one. So to, they, uh, to there's the an understanding points. there that if you don't give up those 75 or 80 yard touchdowns that sometimes haunted them last season, uh, that you're making yourself you know you're making your job a lot easier. You're making them work harder. And this game, I think, is really going to come down to protecting the football, the explosive plays, and just overall offensive efficiency. Packers know what they're dealing with. They know what the crowd is going to be like. They, they understand that the 49ers, there's, there's an insatiable hunger here 
for this team to get back to a Super Bowl after everything, how it ended, you know, six, seven years ago, the last time they had that opportunity, everything's on the line for them. Yep. And it's just exciting, and I think you can feel the energy in that locker room. And I was just spending time down there yesterday, how loose this team is, how geared up these guys are, because these opportunities, as Devontae Adams said at the podium, they're they're rare, and you have to appreciate them. And, you know, there's going to be a guy or two. You asked me that original question, what has to happen? The other thing that needs to happen is there needs to be an Alan Lazard stepping up. There needs to be, you know, a Tyler Irvin explosive play. There needs to be a, a Tyler Lancaster fumble recovery. It's going to take – not just Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and all the name players that you put up on the billboards and the yeah. programs. It's yeah. going to take the Joes and the Bills on this roster, too, to be able to finish this thing out. It's going to be an exciting football game. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you with as far as the vibe in the Packers locker room. There's a looseness to it. I said from the beginning of the week, I feel like the Packers just have the right perspective on this going into it as far as what happened in Week 12, where they are now as a team. I think they're in a good place here going into it, and that's uh, that's at least a good place to start. Before we go, AFC Championship, Tennessee Titans at Kansas City Chiefs. Interestingly here, the Tennessee Titans have been to one Super Bowl in their history. It was exactly yeah. 20 years ago, the 1999 season. That's crazy that that moment was 20 years 20 ago. 20 years ago, yeah. The Kevin, Dice, Kevin <clears throat> Dyson, right? Yeah. Coming up a yard short. Yeah, the, the Mike up. Jones, I believe, was the linebacker for the Rams who made the tackle. The Kansas City Chiefs have not been to a Super Bowl, Wes, in 50 years. Super Bowl four when they beat the Minnesota Vikings, and obviously everyone knows they lost in Super Bowl one to the Green Bay Packers. Those are Kansas City's two Super Bowl appearances That's in their history. That's incredible, isn't it? Andy Reid trying to get the Kansas City Chiefs back to the Super Bowl for the first time in half a century. So the Titans have been the road warriors, the sixth seed. They won at New England. They won at Baltimore. Now they're going to Kansas City. The Chiefs, the team that was in this exact position a year ago hosting the AFC Championship game and lost a very difficult overtime game to the New England Patriots. So what are your thoughts on how this one plays out? I, I don't know who wins the Super Bowl right now, whether it's Green Bay, San Francisco advancing, but this is Kansas City's time, I feel like, in the AFC. Yeah, uh, it does ten, feel like that, doesn't it? Tennessee's a great story, and and they certainly can win this football game. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. You, I, I personally picked them to beat the – the Patriots, I did not think that that magic would sustain for Baltimore just based on how that defense had played this year, but it did, and they upset them, and here they are with Derrick Henry as the hottest running back right now in the NFL, arguably the hottest player right now in the NFL. The hottest running back the hottest running back we've seen in an NFL postseason in a while. Since I James think Starks. Is, yeah. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, somebody that is just getting all the headlines where everybody is like, can anybody stop this guy? He is a Mack truck, that is, and, and all he has in front of him is road close signs that are just <laughs> crashing through and just wood yeah. flying everywhere. I mean, That's he, a great analogy, though, because I think I said in Inbox earlier this week, when you look at the Titans, they had to win in Week 17 just to get into the yep. playoffs. They had the smallest opening possible to get into this postseason party. And, like, Derrick Henry's been the guy who's just blasted that opening <clears throat> wide open. And here they are, as all these other teams are, 60 minutes away from the Super Bowl. But on the other side of it, uh, Kansas City is confident. Off Defensively, that's a huge challenge. They have to stay up to Derrick Henry. But offensively, I think last week showed that this team can hang 50 on anybody oh, if yeah. things are clicking. Uh, with Tyreek Hill there, um, you know, and him Travis Kelsey and all yeah. those guys. Hill mentioning he doesn't feel like anybody can stop them. 
this is their year to do this, to get there. Uh, we'll see what happens, should they. But I just feel like when you talk about Andy Reid, his redemption story arc coming to Kansas City, the fact that that organization, as you pointed out, has not been to a Super Bowl since I was minus 18 years old. Uh, <laughs> the, all those things merge together, Mike, and it just gives you a feeling that there's something special there with Patrick Mahomes. Whether or not it equates to a Super Bowl title this year, we don't know. But that guy, should he stay healthy, is going to be a player for a lot, a long, long time. Yeah, well, it should be one heck of a Sunday of football, as it was last year. Uh, Championship Sunday was certainly memorable for a lot of reasons. Hopefully we avoid some of the controversy that happened last year. But, you know, good luck, good yeah. luck with that, yeah. right? Yeah, really, okay. really banking on that one, Mike. Yeah. But no, you're right. I mean, it, it, you, you hoped that everything goes cleanly, but... It very rarely ever does. Yeah, well, it's going to be entertaining regardless, and uh, we'll be back here on Monday to discuss the results. So with that, we'll sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the big NFC Championship game on Sunday from Santa Clara. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and check out all the great video content on the Packers YouTube channel. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.